Hello! Welcome to the Healthy Habits Happy Home Podcast, hosted by the Guelph Family Health Study. If you're interested in the most recent research and helpful tips for healthy, balanced living for you and your family, then this podcast is for you. In each episode, we will bring you topics that are important to your growing family and guests who will share their expertise and experience with you. Our quick tips will help your family build healthy habits for a happy home. Welcome back to the Healthy Habits Happy Homes podcast. I'm Marcianne. And I'm Tamara. And joining us today, we do not just have one, but two special podcast guests. Today, we will be speaking with Dr. Cassandra Chung, who has been practicing primary care in Toronto since 2013. She has been recognized as a top 40 under 40 optometrist in Canada by Johnston & Johnston Vision and was ranked a top three optometrist by 3bestrated.ca three years in a row. She has also spoken professionally on the topics of myopia control, contact lenses, and practice management at local industry events. Also joining us is Dr. Jessica Tran. Dr. Tran has had the opportunity to train amongst top optometrists in the U.S. and is thrilled to be bringing her knowledge back to provide care to her hometown community of Toronto. She is passionate about contact lenses, myopia control, and disease management. We are really excited to welcome you both to the podcast to talk about the importance of eye health in children. Thank you guys so much for bringing us on the show. We're so uh, happy to be here. It's actually really special to me because I just had a baby last year. I have a totally different perspective now with respect to, you know, how we think about our kids and the things that we want to do for them. Congratulations on your little one there. That's so exciting. Thank you. So to get us started today, why are you passionate about vision and eye health? So vision is just a a big part of how all of us experience our world. And for me, it's been really rewarding to help my patients achieve their best possible vision for the last 10 years. Especially for kids, undetected vision concerns can have lifelong repercussions. And now watching my own son's visual development and perceptual skills develop, I've really gained a new appreciation for his experience, but also as a parent, just kind of wanting the best for your kid. It it definitely changes the way that you see the world. I can see that for sure, including with your career and everything. And your eyes are so important to our health. And you did mention that there are lifelong repercussions of undetected visual concerns in children. So speaking of children, at what age should children start seeing an eye doctor? Uh, I'd also like to thank everyone for having us here today. Very happy to speak with you all. Now, I don't have any personal experience from having my own children or siblings, but I've worked with a lot of kids over the years. According to the American Optometric Association and the Ontario Association of Optometrists, infants should have their first comprehensive eye exam with an optometrist at six months of age. In fact, in Ontario, kids 19 years old and under are covered by OHIP for their eye examination every year. Wow, good to know. I did not know that the earliest that you can uh, bring in a child would be six months of age. Wow, I wouldn't have thought of that. What does an eye examination process look like? So eye exams for kids look different at different ages, but in general, we're checking for three main things. One, how is their vision? Do they need glasses or something else? Two, are the eyes aligned and working together as a team? And three, are the eyes healthy? 
Makes sense. Well, even as an adult, eye exams can sometimes be a little uncomfortable for me. So what are some tips you have for parents to ensure children are comfortable and at ease during the eye examination, particularly if it's their first time getting their eyes checked? So having your eyes checked is just like going to a doctor or a dentist. Every kid's going to interpret that differently, and new experiences can sometimes be scary. Prior to the appointment, uh, parents can always prepare the child for what will happen. You know, Let them know they will be in a new place, meeting a new person. The eye doctor will ask them to look at different letters or pictures and may shine lights in their eyes. It always helps to make sure that the child has had a good rest and something to eat prior to the appointment. You can also bring along favorite snacks or toys. This will help provide comfort if they need it. Some exams can also take some time depending on the child's needs. So having some snacks ready will make everyone more comfortable. Another important thing I want to add is to not interfere with the exam while you're in the room with your child. So your child may be asked to name letters or numbers, but if they get it wrong or are taking their time, just let it happen. Don't say anything. Depending on the test, there may not actually be a right or a wrong answer from the doctor's perspective. I'd also recommend parents look for optometry clinics that say they provide pediatric eye exams. In Ontario, there are a lot of optometry clinics that participate in a program called ICI Learn. This provides free glasses to children in junior kindergarten. So clinics that participate in ICI Learn will probably have doctors that are comfortable seeing kids. What an excellent overview of the eye examination uh, process. I actually remember I just went to the optometrist for the first time more recently than I'd like to admit. Um, I definitely should have gone a long time ago, but it's definitely like such a new and different experience. And especially for kids that can be really overwhelming. So it's so important to be able to know what to expect and for parents to, to be able to kind of prepare their children in that way as well. It is really hard to get those letters wrong sometimes, even as an adult, like you really want to know what it is. So it's it's such a great tip there to just let things happen as you know they are, because it's an important piece of the exam. And also just such a, a great note there on the finding the pediatric eye exam and the ICI Learn program, which obviously could be of great help to a lot of our families. So what are some of the signs and symptoms to watch out for in kids that might suggest eye problems or eye issues? So sometimes it's not just the eyes, but their behavioral signs as well. So complaining about headaches, nausea, or eye fatigue, poor hand-eye coordination, short attention span, or the child avoids reading or any activity that requires close work or concentration. There might be behavioral issues that stem from frustration or poor performance in academics or athletics. Sometimes they appear clumsy or frequently bump into things or drop things. Now, in regards to vision, you might notice some squinting or blinking often, eye rubbing. They tilt their head to the side on a frequent basis, covering one eye, or one eye turns out or in, or reporting double vision. Yeah, it's. I, I honestly wouldn't have thought of all these like behavioral signs. I feel like the first thing to me would be like, oh, vision, but it's important to know that there are actually quite a few behavioral signs that can kind of indicate that maybe, maybe something's going on with the eyes. And earlier in the podcast, too, um, you hinted at the lifelong repercussions when vision issues go undetected. So why is it important to detect eye issues at an early age? For any medical concern, early detection and treatment usually leads to the best outcomes. And that's the same for your eyes as well. 
for sighted children, 80% of our learning occurs through the processing of visual information. And this is why when kids have problems with their vision, behavioral signs are a part of it, right? Because kids don't know what they don't know and they're learning and doing their thing. But if they are having trouble learning because, you know, the thing that they're, that allows them to learn is not allowing them to do that, they're going to be frustrated and, and act out. One of the most common and treatable things we see in children is a condition called amblyopia. This occurs when a child requires vision correction or assistance with eye alignment early on, but doesn't get it. So in this situation, because the eyes are not delivering a clear image to the brain, the brain actually does not develop the ability to process visual information properly. Thankfully, in childhood, this is totally treatable, but as the child gets older, the treatment does become more challenging. This goes undetected mostly in children who have one eye that sees clearly and one poor seeing eye. Many of these children have no signs or symptoms because they function really well with the one clear eye. But as they age, they can start to experience drawbacks as their visual tasks in their world, you know, homework and stuff like that become more complicated. It makes so much sense regarding the behavioral signs and how you explain that. It is just so important to take care of our eyes and to go in for these checkups. And I know from my own experience too, growing up, I had quite a few friends that didn't necessarily like wearing their glasses all the time. So for children that have prescription eyewear, are there any other like alternatives that exist for children that don't like wearing their prescription eyewear? Yes. Children who wear soft conventional contact lens or even specialty contact lens. Some of these lenses are designed to slow the progression of nearsightedness. So soft contact lenses are lenses that are worn during the day and taken out for sleep at night. The most common specialty contact lens used in children is for orthokeratology. These are the opposite. These lenses are worn while sleeping to reshape the eye. So during the day, no contacts or glasses are required. Now for both of these lenses, it really deals with putting things in the eyes, removing it. So proper hygienic habits are very important, and that's where the parent and child work together to make sure that they're practicing these healthy habits. That's so interesting that these alternatives exist. Like I definitely haven't heard of them, but it's for sure something to look into as a parent, especially if you have a child that isn't necessarily fond of their prescription eyewear. And with that being said too, like are there any tips or anything like that to get children to wear their eyeglasses? Yeah, I mean, kids may not want to wear their glasses for a variety of reasons. I want to mention to start off, though, that one big reason I see in my personal practice for kids who are resistant to their glasses is that their parents are not on board. So for lots of different reasons, parents may have their own, you know, preconceived ideas about glasses or a history of glasses where in their family or a lack thereof, and they might have some type of stigma related to glasses. So when parents feel I guess, bad that their child needs glasses or even express outwardly to the child that they don't like the appearance of glasses or express outwardly around the child that they don't like the appearance of glasses. This kind of environment is not going to help the child feel safe and supported so that they, you know, might not want to wear their glasses just based on those feelings. So the very first thing I think is to just make sure that you're not giving your child mixed signals about their glasses. I've seen parents, you know, say to me, oh, I'm so upset that my child has to wear glasses, but then tell their child, okay, you have to wear your glasses because the doctor said so. So this is a, totally a mixed signal for the child and it confuses them and that can kind of promote this environment where the child doesn't want to wear glasses. But if you are 100% on board and your child is still resistant to wearing their glasses, the very first thing 
book another visit with your optometrist. Most of the time, kids that need glasses want to wear their glasses because it helps them see and helps them do play learn better, right? So um, if they're not wearing the glasses, that's definitely the first thing you want to do. The optometrist may make adjustments to the prescription so that it's easier for your child to adapt to the prescription. Otherwise, we want to make glasses cool, right? There's so many other environmental factors that impact a child's want to wear or not wear glasses. Maybe, you know, the cool kids at school don't wear glasses, so they feel bad wearing glasses, stuff like that, right? So making glasses cool is really important. Having your child spend time with respected and loved people in your circle that wear glasses or reading books or watching videos where the lead character wears glasses. And of course, get glasses that your child loves. Give them the opportunity to choose the look that they want with their glasses. And there's so much variety now. Many clinics offer lots of glasses that have like really fun colors or prints. Um, There's even like glow in the dark glasses. And sometimes even like your child's favorite show or movie or whatever it is, um, they'll have glasses with that branding on it two things that that really stuck out to me. One is definitely, uh, you know, representation does matter. Like seeing others who look like us or wear the same thing as us, I think is so important. So um, just like you said, like having the kids watch something with with a character who has glasses, I think is really cool to see. And they can be like, oh, maybe I want glasses like that. And I didn't know that, you know, something that you can see is like parents not being on board. I'm very grateful that my parents were very on board about eye health. They were immigrants. So being able to, um, and I'm from the U.S. So being able to go to the eye doctor was a privilege and they made us know that. And so we had a lot of fun, like trying on glasses. It was kind of like those early 2000 movie montages of us as a family, just trying different glasses. And, you know, up to the point that when my younger siblings were growing up, they were like, you know, maybe a little scared to go to the eye doctor, but when they saw my older brother and I wearing glasses, they're like, okay, like this is, this is less scary. I can pick out my favorite glasses just like we have. So um, I'm, I'm just very grateful that my parents were on board and they wore their glasses as well. So they even, you know, mirrored what good like eyeglass care even looks like too. So we were even careful not to <laughs> break them. <laughs> So I did want to ask, what factors affect eye health in children? For example, do genes play a factor in eye vision of children? Absolutely. So your eyes are a part of your body and an extension of your brain. As such, many genetic medical conditions can affect the health of your eyes and vision. There's also strong evidence that genetics influence the prescription you may require for glasses. For example, if one or both parent is nearsighted, the likelihood that the child will also become nearsighted is much higher than if neither parents are. Interesting. What are other factors that can contribute to bad vision in kids? So there's, I mean, this is like basically what every parent wants me to say during the exam. Like during the exam, the parent at the end is always like, okay, but what about the iPad? (laughs) So that's, um, I get that every day. So yes, There is some evidence that suggests that excessive amounts of near viewing can promote the development and progression of nearsightedness. So when talking to my patients, especially my patients' parents, I always recommend thinking about visual tasks in two categories. There's central vision tasks and peripheral vision tasks. The child's day should include both of these things. So central vision tasks are things like TV, 
iPad, drawing, playing with small toys, basically playing with things you can hold in your hand or you need to do while you sit still. Whereas peripheral vision tasks are things like playing in the park, going on the slide in the swing, climbing, riding your bike, or playing sports like soccer and basketball. There is actually also specific evidence that suggests that getting an hour and a half to two hours of outdoor time per day delays the development of nearsightedness compared to children who do not get this time. Interesting. It's it's always uh, fascinating to learn the benefits even of like physical activity or getting outside to play. So that's really interesting. As a pregnant person, what could be done to support proper vision development of children? So as a pregnant person, there's nothing specifically you can do to improve the vision development in utero. Just keep up with your OBGYN appointments and stay in line with the recommendations for general health. Preschool age is arguably one of the most important stages for growth and development. What can parents do to help with their preschool age children's vision development? So the most important thing is to bring kids in for their annual eye exams. Kids don't know what they don't know and they don't know what they can't see either. Staying on top of their annual eye exams can ensure your kid is hitting their visual developmental milestones. The other thing, as stated before, is just making sure that your child has a variety of visual stimulus that gives them practice using their central vision and peripheral vision. Vision is just like anything else. Too much of one thing is not good, right? So we just want to be able to practice doing different things. Like Dr. Tran said earlier, our eyes are an extension of our brain. So we need um, different types of neurological stimulus to develop different parts of our visual cortex. And that's basically what you're doing when you have, you know, some TV time, some outdoor play time, some drawing time, some, you know, biking time, that kind of thing. Right. It's like all about the va- the balance. Like we need both. It's not, you know, too, too much of one thing is not, is not good. And one, one interesting thing that I've always heard of to do with vision is visual exercises. So can you just explain a little bit of what visual exercises are, like how they work and, and what they're used for and whether or not they're beneficial to support eye health in children? For most children, vision exercises are not necessary for normal vision development. However, for some children with specific diagnoses, vision exercises or vision therapy may be prescribed. That's not for all kids, though. These conditions can be diagnosed and treated by an optometrist, and in fact, some optometrists focus specifically on vision therapy. A common example of a condition that may require vision therapy is convergence insufficiency. Children with this condition may have trouble focusing on near work for extended periods of time, experience eye strain, headaches, blurry vision at near, double vision, or frequently lose their place when reading. If you notice that your child is exhibiting these symptoms, it is good to bring them in to your local optometrist and have it assessed. Vision therapy may include exercise done in the clinic or at home. These prescribed exercises would be specific to the individual's Condition are designed to be fun. So some optometrists may even use video games for vision therapy. Wow, I didn't know that optometrists may even use video game systems as a form of vision therapy, you know, in the case that it's appropriate um, and that they're meant to be fun too. That's actually really interesting. And I'm sure it helps um, kids stick to them as well, especially in a situation where it's needed. Can visual exercises improve performance in sports? Yes, Many optometrists who provide vision therapy services for kids 
also provides specific vision therapy services for athletes. The exercises prescribed to these athletes would depend on their specific needs, but would help improve visual skills like tracking, targeting, and 3D perception. This type of therapy is not just for kids. Many professional athletes do vision therapy to help with these skills. That's very, very interesting. I um, I haven't heard much about visual exercises before, so all of this was very interesting to learn. And as a gamer, I was like, wow, video games. <laughs> and, uh, you know, vision is very important for, for everyone, but, you know, for athletes especially. So that was very interesting to learn about. I actually just want to differentiate with what you said right now, that vision and visual skills are different. So, Uh, Vision exercises work on visual skills, basically the way we move our eyes or the way that our eyes work together as a team, whereas vision is our ability to see clearly. And that's, you know, why we would wear glasses and stuff like that. So vision therapy or vision exercises help with our visual skills, but not exactly with our actual vision or our ability to see clearly. Ah, that makes sense. Thank you for clarifying that. Relating it to nutrition, are there key nutrients you would recommend for children to support eye health? I mean, I think that all healthcare providers would agree that eating a well-rounded diet full of brightly colored fruits and vegetables keeps you healthy. However, it is difficult to study the specific effects of nutrition on different aspects of your health, including vision. So I just want to caveat by saying that in general, the evidence is mixed, and this means that Some studies show that certain nutrients are helpful to prevent certain conditions, but other studies will show that the same uh, nutrients are not helpful. Now, that being said, just because the jury is still out from a scientific perspective, it doesn't mean that we can't use what we know to make food choices that could be better for our health and our eyes. The key nutrients for our eyes include antioxidants and healthy fats. Antioxidants are foods that keep us healthy by delaying or slowing down oxidation, which causes aging or cell death. So some examples are vitamin C and E, as well as carotenoids, lutein, and zeaxanthin. Vitamin C can be found in foods like oranges, grapefruit, kiwi, strawberries, tomatoes, red and green peppers, and broccoli. Vitamin E can be found in almonds, sunflower seeds, olive oil, and avocado. Now, lutein and zeaxanthin are special antioxidants that are found naturally in our retina, and these can be found in leafy greens, broccoli, asparagus, raspberries, papaya, peaches, and mangoes. Now, some studies have shown that a diet rich in foods with antioxidants can slow down the development of cataracts as well as macular degeneration. I know you asked about kids, but this is for anybody. Anybody can benefit from eating these types of healthy foods. Omega-3 fats are a special type of healthy fat that the body cannot produce on its own. So we actually need to eat this in our diet. Um, And every single cell in our body actually requires these fats for function. The three main omega fatty acids are ALA, DHA, and EPA. DHA is the most important one as our body needs this fatty acid for a lot of different things. We can get omega-3s in our diet through foods like fish, chia seeds, flax seeds, and walnuts. The best way to get omega-3s is through our food, but using supplements can also help us get that extra boost. Now, with respect to eyes and vision, DHA is found in high levels in the retina. There are some studies that have shown that preterm infants provided formula with DHA had better visual outcomes later in life than those that did not have DHA in their formula. 
There are also some studies that show that omega-3s help with symptoms of dry eye and other studies that show that omega-3s can reduce your risk for developing macular degeneration. So these healthy fats are really, really important. Now, I know I mentioned that thing about formula. If you're breastfeeding, do not worry. Breast milk is full of healthy omega-3s for your baby's development. It's really interesting to kind of hear about that and especially how it's in breast milk and formula that has DHA as well and kind of the link with our eyes and with our vision. And I, I just love what you said too about eating a balance of food, right? It's just really so important to just eat a variety of foods and not just for kids, but adults too. In this day and age, you know, we spend so much time on our screens, right? Screen time is inevitable and trends certainly show that there's no slowing down when it comes to how much time we spend on our screens. And you kind of alluded to this a bit earlier as well. So how does screen time affect vision and what are some tips for prolonged screen time? As we talked about before, there is some evidence that increased amounts of near viewing can impact the development and progression of nearsightedness in children. At the same time, it is almost impossible to avoid, especially as kids get older and need to use the computer for their schoolwork. Especially with the last few years we've been having, I've had so many more patients come in mentioning eye strain, about screen times they've had much more than ever before. The most important thing is taking breaks. Even for adults, we recommend the 20-20-20 rule. What is that? Basically, for every 20 minutes of up-close work you do, take 20 seconds. Look at something further than 20 feet away, blink your eyes, and let your eyes relax. Just like how you give your legs a break after you walk around all day, your arms a break when you lift heavy things, your eyes need a break too. And as Dr. Chung mentioned earlier, you know, kids should also try to spend some time outdoors every day or do activities that use their peripheral vision instead of just their central vision. That is such a great tip. The 20-20-20 rule. I actually, when I went to the optometrist for an eye exam a few weeks ago, that's one thing that he shared with me because I was really complaining about like how my eyes feel tired. And he was also stressing how it's so important to give your eyes a break. And I love how you said, like, even when we're carrying stuff, you know, we take breaks, right? We take breaks for our muscles. So we need to take breaks for our for our eyes as well. And one way to do that is with the 20-20-20 rule. And it definitely it's one of those things that you can really just kind of start incorporating into a daily routine. So this next question I have for you, I've been hearing, you know, mixed opinions about this. So we wanted to ask, is it true that if you wear eyeglasses, your eyesight gets worse? We get this question in the office all the time. So I'm so glad that you asked it. 100% absolutely not. So in fact, there is evidence that not wearing visual correction when you require it, especially for nearsightedness, actually increases the risk for progression of nearsightedness in children. So I like to compare wearing glasses to wearing shoes. We wear shoes to help us walk farther and faster. And if you didn't wear shoes your whole life, you may think, oh, I don't need shoes. Now, one day, let's say you decide to try some shoes out. You're going to think, wow, I can walk so much farther and faster with my shoes on. I'll wear them all the time. Then in a few weeks, you might think, okay, you know what? I used to not wear shoes. Let's try out new shoes again. When you take your shoes off after wearing them nonstop for a few weeks, and when you're walking around, you might think, hey, this is kind of uncomfortable. I can feel, you know, rocks under my feet and that kind of thing. Now, this is not because the shoes change anything about the anatomy or health of your feet. It's just that your brain prefers to do the thing that's more comfortable. And the same goes for glasses. Wearing glasses do not change anything about the anatomy or health of your eyes, but your brain will always like to see clearly and not have to do the extra work of interpreting blurry images. This is why sometimes people who get glasses might feel like they could see better without their glasses before they got glasses. 
It's not because anything about their eyes change while wearing their glasses. It's just that the brain likes to do less work. That actually makes a lot of sense. Thank you for clarifying that. I feel like it's definitely an important distinction to make, right? And another product too that's kind of you know popular, has a lot of buzz in the eye health world is blue light glasses. So I guess they're marketed to help with eye strain and headaches because of you know all this time that we're spending on screens. And I've personally certainly fell into this um, trick as well and I have a pair of them. So I would really love to hear how effective are blue light filter glasses for reducing symptoms associated with prolonged digital screen use? So that's actually another common question that I've been getting a lot. There is no evidence to support the use of blue light filtering lenses to reduce symptoms of eye strain with prolonged digital screen use. But there is some limited evidence that shows blue light affecting your circadian rhythm. Not everyone's circadian rhythm is affected by the same thing, but for those who are sensitive towards blue light, I've had many patients become permanent users. For most cell phones, there is a warm tone feature that specifically comes on at sunset for this exact reason. As such, some people may feel it make a difference and some people don't notice it at all. Currently, there's very little evidence that blue light has any impact on eye health. However, that doesn't mean that these lenses don't provide a more comfortable viewing experience to many of my patients. That's very interesting. Like, I'm not sure even personally that I've noticed much of a difference. I was almost wondering if it was like a bit of a placebo effect that just because I was wearing them, I thought, oh, I'm like, it it makes a difference. But it is really great to hear a little bit more about the research and what the studies are showing about their actual effectiveness. You know, I think the thing that is important to mention is that vision is an experience right? Like we experience vision, we use our vision all day and everybody's experience is different. So there's not like a, you know, one size fits all solution for patient's vision, which is why there's a special doctor that's just for this one tiny organ in your body, right? So yes, there is like, there's very little scientific evidence for certain aspects of blue light, but that doesn't mean that my patient's individual experience isn't exactly, you know, what they tell me it is. Um, as an optometrist, our job or, or any doctor's job is to take the scientific evidence and apply it to our patient's needs. But again, every person is unique and every person's vision is different. Our job is to figure out what is going to work for you based on your experience. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Vision as an experience. That's a really important, you know, concept. I mean, when we think about it too, our eyes really are how we experience the world too, right? Like that's one of the main ways in which we see everything. So that's, that's so important to say. And it's true. It's so much about that personalized experience. And that's why it's so important to have an optometrist and to go to them with your concerns and to talk these things through. What are some resources that are available for families with young children to learn about eye health? Your local optometrist, of course, is your best resource because they will be able to talk back to you and understand what your concerns are, address those things specifically. But otherwise, if you are just wanting to learn more and do some research, some reliable, trusted sources are iwiki.org, as well as mykidsvision.org, specifically for myopia and nearsightedness in children. Those are great resources. Wow, this is very, very informative. I feel like I'm, I'm absorbing and <laughs> learning a lot. And we'll definitely have those links available for our listeners uh, to go to and check out. 
So to close out the podcast, we like to give families three take-home tips. So what are three take-home tips that you can share with our listeners about eye health for children? So schedule your annual eye exam, and that applies for the whole family. Even if you're not having symptoms, it's always good to make sure that everything's still functioning as it's supposed to and your eyes are still looking healthy. Second, everything in moderation, and that includes visual tasks. Balance your central vision with peripheral vision tasks and far vision activities every day. Third, listen and watch your kid learn and play. Talk to their teachers about how they are learning and playing at school and get a sense of how they're doing compared to their peers. Because vision impacts learning so significantly, sometimes behavioral problems or learning delays simply have roots in undiagnosed vision issues. Thank you so, so much, Dr. Tran and Dr. Chung for taking the time to chat with us about eye health and sharing your extensive knowledge and expertise with us on the Healthy Habits, Happy Homes podcast. Thank you so much for having us. This was fun. Thank you for having us. We hope that our listeners enjoyed this episode and we'll see you next time. Bye.